Johnson. Socks for the win. What is up, everyone, and welcome back to a brand new episode of the 3 and D. I'm Paul Lombardi, and I'd like to welcome everyone back to the Review and Preview Network for my weekly NBA and college basketball show. Make sure to check us out on all social media platforms and subscribe to our YouTube channel at Review and Preview Sports. In tonight's episode, we'll be taking it, we'll be talking some of the top NBA uh, news lines throughout this past week. Take a look at the playoff picture, uh, some more coaching changes that have gone down. Uh, in college basketball, the transfer portal, which has been on fire, even though the season hasn't ended yet. Uh, and later on, we'll look over the final four and I'll update everybody with my most recent MVP ladder for the NBA season. So I hope everybody's doing well. Plenty, plenty, plenty of basketball going on. We got the final four this Saturday. We got the national championship next Monday. It's it's going to be some exciting stuff and I can't wait for it. So jump, jumping first into the NBA playoff picture, before we get into the nitty-gritty of college basketball, let's jump into the playoff picture. So a lot, it, a decent amount has changed uh, since last week's episode. Well, lots even changed since yesterday. First in the Eastern Conference, the Celtics were in first place and got outlapped by three teams and now sit at fourth. Uh, in the in the Eastern Conference, Miami is back in first place. Philly, Philly Milwaukee, and Boston are now all tied uh, in second, third, and fourth, one game back behind Miami. So it's it's going to be a tight race. We got Tom Scavetta in the comments. Review preview zone. Let's go Bucks. They're they're getting back at it. I think I'm you know I'm going to be a little worried about the Bucks to be completely honest with you, but. Uh, my Knicks were able to pick off the Bulls last night, so kind of hurt the Bulls' chances a little bit. They're now tied with the Raptors, which is absolutely amazing that the Raptors are 43-32 and 32, uh, going into the season. I don't think anybody expected that. I think uh, they, they've had kind of a renaissance of a season. Nick Nurse is really, be, is really implementing himself as one of the best head coaches in the NBA, in my opinion, because uh, he had Kawhi Leonard. He had a lot of great players on, on that team that won the championship. So they get the majority of the credit, but what he's done with this squad, I mean, they got Fred Van Vliet, who's an all-star, but Pascal Siakam, 
But besides that, a bunch of decent role players, OG and Anobi has been out for the majority of the season. Uh, Siakam missed part of the season, and they're looking at not even having to worry about the play-in right now. They're tied with the Bulls at five and six. That's four and a half out. And then the Cavs fell all the way down to seven. Not all the way, but fell down to seven. So they're in the play-in right now. They're five and a half out as as things would uh, look would look today. The Cavs will be taking on the Nets in the first game of the play-in tournament, the seven versus eight game. The Nets are in eight, the eight spot right now at 39-36, eight and a half out. The Hornets are in the nine spot, and the Hawks are in the 10 spot. So once again, the top 10s, the 10 teams who are going to be in the playoffs are pretty much set in the Eastern Conference because then you have the Knicks who are in the 11 spot right now who are 14 out, and which is three and a half behind the Hawks with eight to play so technically you know they're not with six to play actually i should say three and a half uh four and a half behind the hawks with six to play because since when the hawks since the hawks won again yesterday um they were the knicks are now on a four game winning streak so they're only eight games under 500 but kind of dug themselves in way too deep of a hole to uh to truly get into the playoff picture but the Knicks, Wizards, Pacers, and Pistons, and Magic are all pretty much done. Uh, the the Pacers, Pistons, and Magic have all been uh, mathematically eliminated. The Knicks and Wizards are still technically alive, but probably will not be um, very soon. So it's it really is just going to all come down to the final couple of weeks of the season, which I'm excited for. Six games, there's about six games left for most teams. Um and it's going to be a tight race because a lot of teams are going to beat up on each other. I think that getting a number one or a number two seed is is going to be huge uh, this year in the Eastern Conference too. And avoiding that play-in is going to be huge because if you're the Cleveland Cavaliers, you do not want to take on the Brooklyn Nets in the first play-in game. And then say you lose that game, say you get you know you host that game in Cleveland against a healthy Kyrie and a healthy. Kevin Durant say you lose that game then you got to take on either the Hornets or the Hawks that's not an easy uh win either so and the, just like that if you lose two games you don't make the playoffs so you definitely do not want to be in that seven spot um I think that the Toronto Raptors are kind of living right right now and I think that's yeah it's um it's pretty good that to to end up with the sixth spot rather than the seven. That's the, there's definitely no doubt about that. Um, so Miami, Philly, and um, the the Milwaukee Bucks are looking to be uh, at the tops. So you know I'm I think that it I think it's going to be an interesting race. It's going to come down to the wire. Um, I I'm excited to see what ends up happening to be completely honest. Uh, and then jumping over into the Western conference, um, the Phoenix suns still in first place. They already wrapped up the number one overall seed um, in the, in the Western conference. Uh, the Memphis Grizzlies are the number two seed uh, the golden state warriors right now are sitting at the number three seed the four seed, the Dallas Mavericks, 
the number five seed is the Utah Jazz, six, the Denver Nuggets, uh, seven, the Minnesota Timberwolves, eight, the LA Clippers, nine, the New Orleans Pelicans uh, right now. So the Suns have pretty much wrapped up the number one overall seed, uh, wrapping basically getting full court, um, having the playoffs go through them in the Western Conference. And the Memphis Grizzlies are sitting pretty solidly in the two, Golden State sitting in the three. Uh, so Phoenix has a pretty it has a pretty solid lead in first, and they they pretty much wrapped it up. Memphis eight and a half out, Golden State thirteen and a half out. Uh, Dallas Dallas sitting in fourth, Utah in fifth, uh, Denver in sixth. It, it, it's it's all mashed together when it comes to that. Um, when it comes to like the four through seven seed about, and again. Nobody wants to be the play-in when you're in the Western Conference either. You're going to have to face either the Clippers or the Lakers, uh, which are not going to be easy tasks. Paul George is returning tonight, first game of the season, uh, after missing the entire season up to this point. And the Lakers, too, could have a healthy uh, – it looks seems like LeBron James probably will not be healthy for the remainder of the season after spraining his ankle. But it's Anthony Davis could be healthy. I still don't think the Lakers are truly a contender, but the Lakers also are – only are 12 games under 500 and are only half game ahead of the Spurs in the 10 spot right now. So there is a, a very decent chance that the, the Lakers don't even make a playing spot, which would be pretty catastrophic, uh, especially with such high standards that the team, you know, kind of gave themselves, but you know, that's, that's been the story of the NBA this season. The, they're 20 and 18 at home and they're 11 and 25 on the road. They can't win on the road. Haven't been able to win their division. They play in probably the toughest division in basketball. They got the Suns and the Warriors and the Clippers all in their division. So, you know, it's it's going to be interesting to see. I think that the the Timberwolves at seven right now are a sneaky team. There's a big fall off from the seventh and eighth spot. The Timberwolves are 18 and a half out, and the at the eighth spot, the Clippers are 25 out. But that's mainly because they've been without Kawhi Leonard and Paul George for the entirety of the season. So that's what the NBA standings are looking like. The NBA playoff picture is looking like um, it's going to get down to the wire. Most teams have about six games left, five six games or so, and uh, then it's going to. Then just like that, it's going to be uh, time for NBA playoffs instead of uh, instead of college basketball. So a couple a couple of other NBA storylines before we jump into college basketball for the rest of the night. Robert Williams suffered a torn torn meniscus, so huge loss for the Celtics, who have been the hottest team in basketball in the second half. Uh, the initial rumors he'll be out three to five weeks. Could be much worse than that. You know, torn meniscus is very difficult to. Uh, navigate. He's averaging 10 points, 9.6 boards, two assists, and 2.2 blocks while shooting 74% from the field this season. He's, uh, in many ways, has been the leader of the Celtics' renaissance on defense this season. Um, they've been one of the best defensive teams in the entire NBA, uh, especially in the second half, and Robert Williams is a big reason why they've been doing that. So losing him is a huge, huge loss. I think that uh, their defense 
to be completely honest, uh, was the way that they were playing was good enough to make a push of winning the Eastern Conference. But without Robert Williams, that's a huge piece to lose. So I don't I don't love their odds. So we'll jump back into college basketball now. Um, get back into NBA a little bit later uh, when we go over the MVP ladder. But the transfer portal, the transfer portal has been red hot. Uh, obviously, a bunch of a bunch of teams who have gotten eliminated. A lot of players are either entering the draft or entering the transfer portal. Uh, a couple of interesting names. One that broke out today, Justice Juice Hill from Murray State. Now, if you guys watched Murray State basketball, they were in the tournament this year. Uh, they were ranked for a good part of the season. Justice Hill was one of their best players. Uh, their head coach, Matt McMahon, just got the LSU job, and he's going to be bringing Juice Hill with him, averaging 13.4 points and 5.1 assists a game this season at Murray State. So very, very interesting. Um, very interesting move. I don't I don't think that's it gonna be it for McMahon. You know, LSU, since Will Wade left, they, they're gonna be losing a lot of guys. A lot of guys have entered the transfer portal, Xavier Pinson, um, Tari Eason declared for the draft. They're they're gonna end up losing a lot of players. So him bringing over his Murray State guys. Definitely highly likely. And then Terrence Shannon Jr., who has been one of the key pieces of Texas Tech over the last uh, several years, he entered the transfer portal too. He'll be a senior next year, um, was regarded as a potential late first-round pick last year, didn't, you know, was was injured for part of this season, in and out of injuries, and, you know, kind of fell off um, the draft boards for this season, but uh, will look to potentially transfer out of Texas Tech. Again, if you enter the transfer portal, a lot of these guys decide to end up going going back. They're just it's basically free agency. It's basically say like they, that's what college basketball has become. It's basically a free agency period. Uh, a player entering the transfer portal basically just says that they're going to test free agency. That's the, it's the equivalent of that. Um, for college basketball, so Terrence Shannon Jr. is entering the transfer portal. Adam Miller too. Illinois guard who transferred to LSU this season, then tore his ACL before the season started um, and missed all of the, all of the year. He's another guy that's transferring out of LSU and, and entering back into the transfer portal. So, um, so he'll be looking to possibly join his third school in three years. He never played a game at LSU uh, due to injury, but uh, it'd be interesting, be very interesting to see uh, what happens with Adam Miller. So those are the interesting names in the transfer portal. There's going to be a lot more, going to be a, a ton more. So definitely got to keep your eyes out for that. And some other big news, Shaheen Holloway to Seton Hall. Obviously, we all saw the heartbreak of St. Peter's losing this past week. Um, the this past weekend to North Carolina. You know they they were able to win in the in the uh, Sweet 16 and make it to the Elite Eight. They're the only 15 seed to ever do that. Um, they're, they're also now, now that Miami is eliminated too, tied with Miami for the, uh, at the same amount of elite eight appearances in school history. That was the furthest Miami had ever gone in, in their history as well. But Shaheen Holloway, to no surprise, he's headed to Seton Hall, uh, graduate of Seton Hall. A lot of college basketball analysts say that this was pretty much a done deal, even before the St. Peter's run that they had this season, you know, Shaheen Holloway was kind of being groomed to be the next head coach at Seton Hall. Um, so basically Holloway through the years, his journey, he 
uh, was an All-American, McDonald's All-American in 1996, played in the same game as Kobe Bryant, and ended up winning MVP of that game, uh, scoring seven points, eight assists, and six steals. Uh, Then he played four years at Seton Hall. He turned down offers from California, Duke, and Georgia Tech. Uh, and decided to go to Seton Hall, played all four years at Seton Hall, then went undrafted in 2000, played for a while overseas, played, uh, jumped around in uh, some smaller leagues in America, uh, the Chicago Skyline, he played for the Chester Jets, and then played in Istanbul for a little bit, um, and you know wherever he could basically get signed, he was playing. Uh, it's a new, obviously... From Queens, New York, uh, went to high school in New Jersey, went to college in New Jersey. So he's a New Yorker. You got to you got to root for a guy like that. And um, right after he was done, right after he finished up his um, his time playing overseas, he got into coaching immediately. And Kevin Willard was his guy. Uh, Kevin Willard was the head coach of Iona from 2007 to 2010. He gave Holloway his first assistant coaching job. Uh, he was he was uh, Willard's assistant for the for Willard's entirety at Iona. And then when Willard jumped from Iona to Seton Hall, Holloway joined him from 2010 to 2018. Holloway was an assistant for Willard at Seton Hall, and then he got the St. Peter's job. In 2018, he spent four seasons at St. Peter's, and now he will be headed back to Seton Hall, this time as the head basketball coach. And, you know, uh, Kevin Willard kind of on his way out basically said, you know, this is the guy that he wants to hire. I mean, Holloway Holloway was Willard's guy. You know, Willard ended up taking the Maryland job, as as most college basketball fans know. But, but Shaheen was Willard's guy. Willard groomed him. Uh, as a coach, he he was his assistant at Iona. He was his assistant at Seton Hall for eight years. Then he took over the the St. Peter's job. But um, you know, Holloway was kind of being groomed into into that Seton Hall position. Uh, we got a couple of comments right here. Tom Scavetta, wonder how many players he brings with him. I me me and Tom were on the phone uh, a couple of days ago when I gave him my uh, my bold prediction that. Not only this was before the St. Peter's game ended, so not only did I say that Holloway was definitely going to go to St. Peter's, which I think you know most people are, Holloway was definitely going to go to Seton Hall, which I think most people pretty much already knew. Uh, that wasn't really bold, but I thought that he's going to bring a lot of a lot of the big name guys from C, from St. Peter's and Defo, Eddard, um, Rupert. You know, it's, it's a lot of the guys that the nation kind of fell in love with during this tournament, I think are going to be playing for Seton Hall next year. I I think that there's going to be a, high, a very high chance that Holloway brings over some of his guys. Now, he's not going to bring over everybody, but I think he's going to bring over a handful of them. Um, not saying like Indefo, Rupert, and Eddard are all going to come over, but I think, you know, one, two, or three of them might. So that, that would definitely be interesting. Got Garth Michael Patrick. What is up, man? Let's go Duke. I will be at the final four this weekend. That's unbelievable. That is awesome. Guys, send review and preview some pictures from there. That's that's literally a goal of mine to uh to be able to go to the final four. Then we got review and preview. Coach K is expecting you. Yep. That's it, it, those are gonna be two amazing games. The this Saturday is gonna be 
premier basketball. Like this is going to be basketball fans dreams. We not only the biggest rivalry in college basketball gets to meet up for the first time in tournament history. First time ever that North Carolina and Duke are meeting up comes in coach K's final year and in the final four. Uh, then, then on the other hand, you have Kansas versus Villanova and you know, they, it's a, there's a pretty decent segue. So we, I mean, we'll jump right into it. The final four preview, uh, North Carolina versus Duke being our first matchup. So North Carolina, Hubert Davis, first year, first final four appearance. Um, they, they've been playing amazing throughout the tournament. RJ Davis had a 30 point game, six assists against Baylor. Armando Baycott has been consistently dominant in the paint for UNC had 17 and 10 against Marquette, 15, 16 against Baylor, 14 and 15 against UCLA and 20 points, 22 rebounds against St. Peter's on Sunday. So they had an absolutely amazing, he had an absolutely amazing game. He's becoming one of the, one of the best big men in the entire country. I think that's decent shot that he ends up getting drafted. Uh, he doesn't appear in many mock drafts, but I think a guy of his talent definitely, uh, definitely has a shot of getting drafted. If not this year, then definitely going to be next year. And then on Duke, on the other hand, Coach K, this is his 13th Final Four appearance. He has five national championships, as everybody knows, and obviously everybody knows this is his final year. So he's looking for that sixth ring. He's looking to go out like Michael Jordan with six rings. Uh, we got Baycott might be tournament's most outstanding player. I agree. I think that's. I think Baycott's been absolutely amazing. I mean, you look at those those stat lines, 17 and 10, 15, 16, 14 and 15, and 20 and 22. Like, just absolutely ridiculous numbers, honestly. And I he, especially if North Carolina ends up winning it all, I think that he's uh, definite for it to be most outstanding player. Paolo Roach and Mark Williams has been an insane trio throughout this Duke run. Absolutely. Just going to get to those three guys. They've been... Absolutely insane. Banchero, uh, in fact, is, uh, had 17 points, 10 rebounds against Cal State Fullerton, 19 and 7 against Michigan State, 22 and 4, and 16 and 7 against Arkansas. So the, those have been his four games in the tournament. He's been absolutely insane. Uh, Mark Williams has also been the unsung hero, in my opinion, uh, for. Uh, for Duke, which is a a big reason why I think they've made it as far as they've made it. He had 15 points, seven rebounds, five blocks, and five and five assists against Cal State Fullerton, then had 15 points, eight rebounds, five blocks against Michigan State, 16 points, eight rebounds, three blocks against Texas Tech, and then 12 points, 12 rebounds, and three blocks against Arkansas. He's he's a menace down low. He's one of the best defending bigs in the nation. Uh, he's basically locking himself as a first round pick throughout this tournament, Mark Williams, because of how ferocious he is. Seven footer who can guard the paint is, a, is a shot blocking machine can step out and shoot a little bit. He's not like, he's not a knockdown three point shooter, but can shoot the ball a little bit. He can score. He's got great post moves. Uh, I love what I see from, from Mark Williams and he's been a big, big catalyst for Duke making it as far as they made it. Uh, the front court matchup is stacked for that game. Absolutely. I think that, um, you know, Trevor Keels, you got, okay, and then on the other hand, you got RJ Davis. Um, you, you've got absolutely 
absolutely loaded on both sides. Leaky Black on the UNC side. Um, then you got Jeremy Roach. You got um, Wendell Moore on Duke. I think that it's going to be that. That's going to that might be end up being the highlight of of the game is the front court matchups because any one of those guys can take over. You saw RJ Davis, you know, a white plains kid too. You got to shout out the New Yorkers out here, but RJ Davis dropping 30 points against Baylor. You know, they, both of these teams have guys who can, who at any moment can take over a game. And I think that that's, that's going to be the key to winning this, you know, is, is getting an all around good um, supporting performance from everybody. But, you know, Somebody is going to is going to step in and absolutely and completely take over. Williams play outstanding defense for us. The thing that don't show up on the stat sheet on top of scoring, absolutely. I think that if it, just watching each one of the games, um, I I think that uh, Williams has really been the unsung hero at Duke for throughout this tournament. Watching each one of the games, you kind of just see the. Uh, kind of tenacity that he has down low. Um, you know, the defense that he brings to the team is unmatched, in my opinion. And then let's all remember which NFL QB's brother plays for Duke. Yep, Bates Jones. So everybody try to piece that together. A, a, a local Jones quarterback. Don't forget the other White Plains kid, A.J. Griffin. Of course, I can't I can't forget A.J. Griffin. He's going to be a top 10 pick in this year's draft. Um, yeah, A.J. Griffin is turning into a player. I, I'm, I'm really falling in love with him, with his game, shooting 50% from three. Uh, he's a freak athlete. He's got a ton of potential on the defensive end, knockdown three-point shooter. I think that he's he's got the making to be a great NBA player. That's why, you know, a lot of people think that he's going to be a top 10 pick in this year's draft, but it's you know, another White Plains kid. So there's going to be two White Plains kids in, uh, in this matchup, which – which you love to see. He's a, he was a step in that kid, AJ Griffin. So I'm more ref, I'm more referring to Manic Baycott versus uh, Paolo Williams. Did you say front court or yeah? You said front court. That's my bad. I read that as back court. I'm sorry about that. But yes, all great matchups across the board. Um, been a long day, you know, had work and stuff. Read that as back court. My bad. But front court, the front court matchup is going to be really good. I completely agree with that. The whole Jones family is super athletic and talented, especially Daniel. You're a homer for Daniel, Tom. He reminds me a lot of Cam Reddish, but way better shooter. Reddish was a super streaky shooter slash scorer. I, I think that he's he's much more polished than Cam Reddish was, especially uh, in college. I think that Cam Reddish has a ton of potential. You know, I, I'm holding out hope for him as a Knicks fan, but – I think AJ Griffin is just much more polished. His game kind of speaks for itself. And I really love the way that he plays the, his athleticism just kind of he, and as, as a freshman too, he plays like an upperclassman. That's, that's one of the biggest things. I think all of these guys on Duke too, uh, just kind of just mesh so well together. We've seen teams in the past that, you know, some Coach K teams that are just stacked with a bunch of one-and-dones, all that kind of stuff. But this team really meshes well together. They have a perfect balance. They got Banchero, who kind of does everything. Wendell Moore, who's a great knockdown shooter. E.J. Griffin, who's a great athlete, knockdown shooter. Trevor Keels, great ball handler, knockdown shooter. That's, I mean, you know, the common denominator in all of this is knockdown shooting, too. 
um, than Jeremy Roach. Then you get then you got upperclassmen like Jeremy Roach who just who steps in and um, you know just kind of just balls out in the tournament. And that's you know that's that's the winning formula right there is getting <clears throat> a little bit of help from everybody. So that's enough in depth about the UNC versus Duke matchup. Then we got Villanova versus Kansas. Uh, Jay Wright now entering his fourth Final Four appearance. He's got two national championships under his belt. The big, big, big outlier, though, for Villanova is the just is Justin Moore tearing his Achilles. I think that that is a huge loss for Villanova and completely changes the game. Uh, I I would have I would have probably taken Villanova in this game. But with Justin Moore out, Justin Moore is a tremendous defender, knockdown three-point shooter. I mean, I know Colin Gillespie is the heart and soul of that team, but Justin Moore might be the most important piece on that team, to be completely honest with you. All season long, he's been absolutely amazing. Uh, And I think that him going down really, really hurts Villanova's chances badly. And uh, But you also have a guy named Jermaine Samuels who's been playing great throughout the tournament. Had 15 and 9 against Delaware, 17 and 8 against Ohio State, 22 and 7 against Michigan, and 16 and 10 against Houston. Uh, another another solid forward that Jay Wright always ends up putting together some decent, uh, you know, getting the most out of his talent that he has there. Doesn't always have the five star recruits, but it's, no matter who he's got, he always ends up getting some good talent out of him. And then Bill Self, on the other hand, just like Jay Wright, this is his fourth Final Four appearance. Except the only the only difference is Bill Self only has one national championship, and Jay Wright has two. So this would be so the, whoever ends up winning it, this will either be Coach K's sixth, Hubert Davis's first in his first year, which would be pretty amazing. Jay Wright's third, or this could be Bill Self's second. Uh, Kansas, on the other hand, has played amazing throughout the tournament. They've been great all season long, but Remy Martin has been the unsung hero for this team. 20 points for Creighton, 23 points for Providence. He only had nine points and six boards against Miami, but still was a huge impact. And then Christian Brown, on the other hand, too, was another big impact. 12 and 6, 6 and 10, 13 and 8 and 14 and 5 in his th- four games throughout the tournament. Uh, he's they Those have been the two unsung heroes. Oshay Abaji has gotten most of the hype and most of the attention throughout the season, which he deserves, you know, he's going to end up being one of the finalists. Uh, I don't, I don't think he's in the top three or four, but he's going to end up being probably top 10 for uh national player of the year because of how great of a season he had. But when it came tournament time, Remy Martin, and Christian Brown have been the two best players and Mitch Lightfoot as well. Uh, Mitch Lightfoot time. Perfect to, uh, to get that, to get that comment in there. McCormick has been a beast completely i think mccormick's uh the energy that he's been bringing to the team he's finally healthy and he's finally con- contributing to the uh level that they thought that he would when they first brought him in he was a huge recruit david mccormick and you know he's finally starting to show out a little bit um despite all the talent these guys really have a team first mindset and the chemistry is there this team reminds me so much of the 2015 title team i absolutely agree I completely agree. I think this Duke team is different. There's, you know, throughout Coach K's entire time at Duke, we've seen a lot of amazing teams. I mean, every single year they're always they're always, you know, 
in the mix to win a national championship. But this team is is different. This team just plays cohesive basketball. They play very well together. They have a good chemistry, which is rare to see from this many freshmen too. Usually when you bring in a ton of freshmen, you know, Kentucky last season was a good example um, of a bunch of talented freshmen that just couldn't get the chemistry together and ended up costing them a good season. And, but this year Duke, they really have a good talent with them all together. I think uh, Banchero is a great team first player. You know, they, they've got a bunch of guys with good attitudes and, you know, uh, coach K is definitely probably, probably putting in that extra, extra effort this season to try to uh, go out with Michael Jordan number of ring, number of rings. I got Kansas winning, but I would be happy if Nova does win. I completely agree. I, I'd love to see Villanova win just because I love Jay Wright and, you know, a fellow Big East team. So got to root for them. But I I feel like I feel like Kansas is definitely going to win this game. So my picks for these two games, you know, I kind of made it pretty obvious when we were going over Villanova and Kansas. But I'm taking Kansas and then UNC versus Duke. I'm taking Duke. Um, I'm taking Duke versus Kansas in the national championship. And as your national champions, yeah, it's tough. I'm sure I'm going to change my mind um, by the time the national championship actually comes on Monday. I mean, it might not even be Duke versus Kansas, obviously, but before the final four starts on um, on Saturday. But as of now, I got Duke over Kansas. I think that Duke is a little destined this year. I think they're just they're so locked in an all around dynamic team. Uh, and, and coach K knows how to get it done. You know, he wants to go out with that sixth ring. I feel like, I, I feel like it, all the stars are going to align and that just, that might, that might be exactly what happens, but they do not have an easy task in either of those games. I mean, all four teams that are left are fantastic, but Kansas has a little bit of an easier task than Villanova without Justin Moore, North Carolina versus Duke's going to be an all out brawl. That game is going to be insane. I think it can go keep going back and forth. I mean, you look at the all-time records of UNC versus Duke. They they literally go back and forth nonstop. They're basically 500 against each other. Uh, they play bully basketball. They're the biggest rivalry in college basketball. So I think that's I think that Duke's going to pull it out. But this this is a game that could come down to the final minutes. It could even come down to an overtime or two. Lots of pressure on Gillespie and Samuels after seeing their near choke job against St. John's. I don't know how about how they get past Kansas. I completely agree. Taking nothing away from Nova, though, just think they had the easiest path there. They probably did. Um, They they definitely did not have a very difficult path to the championship, but – well, to the Final Four. But um, I – I'm telling you, I in my bracket, I had Villanova getting eliminated early because I wasn't impressed with them all season long. I thought that they were kind of um, a little bit overrated. I thought that they were a little inconsistent. The choke job against St. John's is a great example. Um, so I thought that they, but you know, every time it comes to tournament time, Jay Wright gets his team into a completely different mindset. So you, you got to end up giving it to him. So. That's it for college basketball. That's it for the Final Four preview. Now, before we wrap up the show, my updated MV- NBA MVP ladder. We did this pretty pretty constantly last uh, last season on the show, but 
this year, haven't brought it up too much. There's been way too much college basketball to, you know, go too in-depth with the NBA. But now since the season's down to about six games left for most teams, uh, I'll, I'll give you guys my top five on the MVP ladder. At number five, I got Devin Booker, uh, 26.5 points, five boards, 4.9 assists, 1.2 steals. The way he's been holding down that Suns team without Chris Paul for a good portion of the season, locking up the number one seed, uh, trying to make it back to the championship and actually win it this time. I think that Devin Booker has been one of, by far, one of the most valuable players in the league, and I think he, de- I think he deserves more recognition than he's getting. I feel like he's not going to end up even voting as high as five when it comes down to it. Uh, he's probably going to end up be- being a little bit lower on the MVP ladder, but he deserves a ton of recognition. And then number four, I got Jason Tatum. Uh, it pains me. It pains me to put a Celtic on there, obviously, as a Knicks fan. But what Jason Tatum has led this team to is absolutely incredible. Their second half run. I mean, they were a fringe playoff team at, at the trade at not the trade deadline at the all-star break. And coming into the second half, they've been absolutely fierce. They've been absolutely insane. I think that, and it's all been led by Jason Tatum, 27 points a game, uh, eight rebounds, 4.3 assists. Another guy that will not get as much MVP consideration, but I think deserves to be not only the top five, but arguably the top three. And then number three, I got Giannis Antetokounmpo. Uh, Giannis has once again had another ridiculous season. Milwaukee's in the top four. He just puts up insane numbers. You have to you have to have him in the top three. I think that's he. I don't think he's going to win it because there's really there's two big men who are ahead of him. And uh, you know, I, I think pretty much on everybody's MVP ladder, they got these two guys one either one and two. But the question is, do you have them? Which in which order is that one or two? Um, so Giannis, I have three. And then obviously my one and two are uh, Jokic and Embiid. But the question is, which one is my one and which one is my two? So I've been going back and forth. For a while, I was saying that Embiid's going to be MVP. But uh, right now, I I think Jokic deserves it. Um, Embiid is my number two right now. He's averaging almost 30 points a game, 11.4 rebounds, 4.2 assists, 1.5 blocks for uh, a team that might end up getting the number one seed in the East. Like it's it's very tough to not give Embiid the MVP with those kind of numbers, and he might end up winning it. But right now, I've got Nikola Jokic as number one, as winning a back to back MVP, just because of the impact he's single handedly carrying the Nuggets to out of the play in and um, trying to get them into the top six. They're sitting at six right now. I think that the Nuggets seeding might end up hurting Jokic's chances because very rarely do we see a guy that um, plays on a team that finishes outside the top four uh, in the conference win MVP. So the the seed the seeding for the Nuggets might definitely uh, end up hurting Jokic's chances, especially if it, if the Sixers end up being one or two. You know, I think it'll end up going to Embiid, but. Right now, I've got Jokic at number one uh, and winning his back-to-back MVPs. I just think that his impact has been absolutely ridiculous this entire season, averaging 26.3 points, 13.5 boards, and once again, averaging eight assists as a seven-footer. Like, I I went – I throughout all last season in his MVP campaign, 
uh, when he was when he was averaging a triple double for the majority of the season, I kept I kept reiterating reiterating how incredible it is for a seven footer to be averaging ten assists, and he's doing it again. He's I mean he's averaging eight assists. We've never seen this in NBA history. We've never seen you know guys before this, Marcus Sol, those kind of guys were seen as some of the best passing big men of all time. They they never broke five assists a game. You know this guy is is putting up point guard numbers while also scoring almost 30 points a game and grabbing almost 15 boards a game too. Like, it's just, it's absolutely ridiculous. If you take it, when, when you look at the true meaning of the award too, if you take Nikola Jokic off of the Denver Nuggets, they're probably one of the worst teams in the West. Um, he, he's, he's that, he's that good. He's that much of a game changer. If you take Joel and beat off the Sixers, they probably are a playing team. Now that they have James Harden, if they, you know, if they didn't have James Harden, they, They'd probably they'd probably still be a playing team. They'd probably be like an eight or nine C or something like that. They'd fall a ton, obviously. But then again, you know, the MVP race isn't always about the most valuable player. It's about, you know, who's the who's the most popular. And that's what it always ends up coming down to. And a lot of times guys will win it twice and then they'll get voter fatigue and uh and not win it more than that. So that it'll be interesting to see what the MVP race comes down to, but that's going to wrap it up for tonight's episode. I want to thank everyone who tuned into the review and preview network to watch another episode of the three and D and to all those listening via podcast, YouTube, etc. You can also follow the show on Twitter at the three and D where we tweet every day, keep you completely up to date on the transfer portal, coaching updates, everything going on in the NBA, everything going on in college basketball. We even try to sprinkle in a few parlays and, interesting uh bets that you know that i'll see that i think is worth looking at in my opinion so definitely a good follow go go check out the uh the show on twitter at three and d hope everyone enjoys the rest of their week and stay tuned for more updates and brand new episodes coming every tuesday night at seven next week we'll see you after the final four and after the national championship we'll have a national championship we'll have a national champion for next week's episode so can't wait. Hope everybody enjoys your weekend. Enjoy the final three games of the college basketball season. And we'll talk to you next week.